Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. And I want to thank you, my dear friend, for inviting me into your home, your home home, and your church home. I always love coming here to spend time with you guys, and Portland is very special to me because my dear friend Larry is here, but for another reason, which you're going to find out in a little while. You know, um, this has been a tough year and a half, hasn't it, for all of us? And what I know is that whenever we have difficulties, there's always gifts in it. And so I've been really thinking about what are the gifts in this whole situation. And one that came up for me is that the whole world, I mean, get this, the whole entire world came together on one cause. Now, we didn't do it very well, <laughs> right? But we did come together with one common cause. That's amazing. It's never, ever happened before. And that suggests that it can happen again in great ways, and we can probably do wonderful, wonderful things. And I know there are going to be more blessings. I know for me, it forced me to go inside. And I think it probably forced all of you to go inside too, didn't it? And that's a good thing. So I know there's going to be a lot more. There's a great line in a movie, one of my favorite movies, and the line goes, everything works out in the end. And if it hasn't worked out, it's not the end. And I remind myself of that all the time because it's really important. Because God does have all of this. God's got our back and it always works out. I mean, just look at our history. Look at your personal history. Hasn't it always worked out? Even when things look like a mess and we don't know how or why or when, it always works out, right? There's a bumper sticker that says, no God, no peace. And I love that bumper sticker because it reminds me to turn to God. And you know, when all the stuff is swirling around out there, what I know is I forget. And I just forget. It's okay. But I just forgot. And as soon as I realize that I forgot, I can remember again. And that's when the reunion happens. And isn't reunion sweet? It's sweet when you have a reunion with a friend. It's sweet when you have a reunion with God. So what I want to talk about today is an idea of reunion and how important that is. And you know, The Course in Miracles says there's only two things that are always happening. One is love and one is fear. A way of mastery puts it a little different way. It says there are two things that are always happening, separation or reunion. And I like that idea. So I want to talk about that idea, separation and reunion. And separation seems like such a horrible thing, doesn't it? But if you think about it as we just forgot. We know that God's here, but what happens is we get caught up in all the stuff of the world and we just forget. Not a big deal, we just forgot. And it seems more gentle to me to say, oh yeah, I forgot. And to get to that place where I can say that, oh yeah, I forgot. So anybody like America's Got Talent? About a month ago, there was a young woman on there. She's 30 years old, and her name is Jane. She goes by Nightbird, and it's Nightbird with an E. And my friend Barbara Novak, Reverend Barbara Novak, told me about this, and I had to go scope it out. So she got up there on stage, and Simon Cowell asked her what she was going to sing, and she said, I'm going to sing an original song. And he said, all right. And she got up there, and she sang the songs called It's Okay. And you know, it was way better than okay. It had me in tears. So I encourage you to look at it on YouTube. 
Nightbird with an E. There's a couple lines in the song I want to point out. One is, you don't have to wait for everything to be okay to be happy. How important is that? It's just a choice that we make. Things are going to happen in the world out there, and we don't have to wait for everything to be all right so till we find happiness. The other line is, we all get a little lost sometimes, and it's okay. And I love that because that suggests the forgetting, right? When we forget, we get lost. We just turn away. But God has never turned away. So the moment we remember and lean in just a little bit, that reunion happens. We might turn away, but God never goes anywhere. You know, the indigenous cultures have a ritual for a young man to become a man. And every indigenous culture has this ritual, and they do them a little bit differently. And I want to tell you about a, a, a ritual in the Cherokee tradition and a young man and his father. So the young brave goes to his father, who's the chief, and he says to his father, I'm ready. I'm ready to become a man. So the father sits him down and says, all right, well, here's what has to happen. We're going to go into the wilderness, and you're going to sit on a stump. I'm going to put a blindfold around you, and you need to sit on that stump all night long. You can't move. You can't cry out for help. You just need to sit there all night long. And so, and he says, and a couple more things. You can't tell anybody about this because every young man has to come into manhood on his own. So the boy thinks about it and he comes to his father and says, all right, I'm ready. So the boy and his father go out into the wilderness. He sits cross-legged on the stump. The father ties the blindfold around him and the boy sits there, and the father says, now, you need to keep the blindfold on until morning comes, and you'll know when morning comes because you'll feel the warmth on your face, and there'll be a little peak of sun around the edges of the blindfold, and that's when you can take it off, and then your transformation will be complete. You will be a man. So the boy sits there, takes a deep breath, and all of a sudden he starts getting scared, and he hears all kinds of noises, and he hears the wind rustling in the trees, and birds, and other kinds of animals he can't identify, and he starts to get cold, so he knows it's getting a little bit later, and he starts to get really scared. And he hears more and more night noises, but he sits there stoically because he knows this is what it's going to take to be a man. Well, pretty soon, morning comes, and he feels that sun on his face, and he sees a little edge of light around the side of the blindfold, and he thinks, I did it. He opens, the, takes the blindfold off, and his father is sitting right there next to him on the stump. What a great reminder to us that we might forget, and all we have to do is remember, and that reunion's complete. So I love that story. Why do we separate? I think there are just two things, and that's the name of the talk, just two things that make us separate from God, make us forget, if you will. The first one is loss, and boy, we've had a lot of it the last 18 months, haven't we? We don't like it. You want to know why we don't like it? Because we don't know what's coming next. Think about that. When we lose something that's really important to us, we're afraid. It's always fear because we don't know what the future holds and we don't like not knowing. We want that comfort level. We want to know exactly what to do next, exactly where to put our foot, right? The second thing that causes us to separate is change. And change really is the same. Loss and change are really the same. And the reason is when something changes, We've lost something, and we're going somewhere else that we don't know yet. 
So I'm going to talk about those two things. And if I can just get you to think about this a little bit differently through my words, through a story, because as you've already seen, I love to tell stories, then I've done my job. So let's talk about loss first. The ego equates loss to death. Now, it might be hard to accept that because not every loss has to be death, but the ego equates every single loss to the end. Think about it. A loss is final, right? Done, the end. And isn't that the way we think about death? Final. We use the phrase life and death, and it's race consciousness. And you know what? It's a false belief. It isn't life and death. It's birth and death. Because life goes on, it's everlasting. But we use that phrase all the time, and we believe it to be true. That's why I say it's a false belief in race consciousness. So what if we were able to change our perspective on death and just see it as something that happens, an event like graduating high school, getting married, going on a trip, retiring, because truthfully, that is what it is. If we really believe this stuff and we really believe that life is everlasting, then death is just an event. It's just something that happens. But people are so afraid of death because they don't know what's happening next. They think they do. We all think we do, right? But do we know for sure? And so there's that element of fear. In Words That Heal, Ernest Holmes says, God is life. Life can't produce death. Death is but the shifting of a scene, the moving from one place to another, an impatient gesture of the soul as it seeks freedom. So I told you there's another reason I love Portland. 78 years ago, my grandfather bought a house in the Selwood area here in Portland. And I wasn't born then, but as I, after I was born and grew up, my mother brought us here all the time to visit my grandfather. He lived in that house for 51 years, and he passed away in 1994. Now, I want to tell you about my daughter also. My daughter at that time when he passed away was four years old, and I was working for a property management company. They owned a lot of apartment complexes, and my job was to move into one of the apartment complexes, empty out the riffraff if there was any, fill up the empty units, hire a property manager, someone who could live on site, hire a maintenance person, and then go on to the next one. So we moved a lot when my daughter was real small in the first few years of her life. And so when we came up here to visit my grandfather's house after he had passed away, my daughter was really upset, and she, she ran into the house to look for great-grandpa. They had a little ritual. She used to sit on his lap and eat pistachio nuts, you know, the kind that make your hands red. And that was just a really special time with the two of them. And so she's running all around that house looking for great-grandpa, and I didn't know how to explain to her that he wasn't there and that she wasn't going to be able to see him anymore. And so I decided to use this idea of moving because she could relate to that. So I asked her, do you remember, you know how we moved from one apartment to another apartment? Yeah. Well, great-grandpa has just moved from his body house to God's house. And even though we can't see him anymore in his body house, we can always find him if we look through the window of our heart. And she loved that. It really resonated with her, and she still 
at 30 years old, eats red pistachios when she can find them to think about her great-grandpa. And it warms my heart to go by that house, which is still there. If you ever go to Selwood, it's now Wallace Books. It's a yellow building, and it's the only house that's on that whole block. All the rest of them have been torn down. It warms my heart to come to Portland to see Larry and to drive by my grandfather's house. That idea that we just move to God's house is another way to look at that transition. Death isn't game over. Any kind of loss isn't game over. But we're so afraid of not knowing that we'll do almost anything to avoid it, right? And to the point that we think we fail when we have a loss, for example, we tried everything to save them and we couldn't do it. The marriage was a failure. We think that loss is a disaster, that we've done something wrong, when it's just a change, it's just a transition. So if we can look at loss, if we can accept loss and look at it differently and consciously say to ourselves, it's not death, it's not game over, it's a change. And if we can look at history and say, all the changes I've been through have turned out all right, this is going to turn out all right too. We're going to be able to have a different experience of change and of loss. You know, as spiritual beings having this human experience, we see things from a lot of levels. We see things from the spiritual level, which is where we know who we are. We know that we're spiritual beings. We know that we are not this body. And we know what it feels like to know that connection, right? Everybody knows what that feels like. But we also experience this physical world from an emotional standpoint, from a mental standpoint, and from a physical standpoint. So sometimes we get caught up in those mental gymnastics. Sometimes we get caught up in all kinds of emotional aspects, right? We get our emotions all get control, take control of us. And sometimes we're in so much pain that we can't think about anything else. And we're just this body. But if we can remember that we are so much more than that, it helps us move through that. Eastern religion has a practice, Buddhism and Hinduism has a practice where they actually contemplate death. There are meditations and contemplations where they practice dying. They practice having an acceptance with that transition and change from this world to that world. And it makes that experience of loss not the end, not game over. And that's what's so important. So one thing just moves into the other. In the Practical Application of Science of Mind, page 17, Ernie says, our lives and experiences may very well be likened to a river. If we stand on the bank of the river and watch it flow, we become aware of the fact that the river never changes, but its content is always new. We're always new because life is always moving through us as us. Love is always moving through us as us. Think about the yin and yang symbol right? It's a circle. It's not broken. It's a complete circle. And inside you have the two sides. They flow into each other. Think about that. Life always flows. Think about when the tide goes out. It's the farthest out, the moment it starts coming in. The moment the day is the longest, it starts getting shorter, doesn't it? So there's no beginning and end, it's always flowing, and life is always flowing and moving. And so it's really important for us to remember that if something seems to be over, it's not really over. It's not death, right? 
What if we believed that any kind of loss is really a portal, a portal to something new, something even more exciting and something even better? It's hard, especially when we're in the middle of all the stuff, right? I'll tell you what, I sometimes start my day great. I lay in bed, I do my gratitude practice, I do what I call mapping, meditation, affirmations, and prayer. I get up, everything's great. I'm walking with God. And then somebody calls me on the phone, and I forget. But that doesn't happen to any of you guys, right? But the thing is, it's okay. I just forgot. And as soon as I recognize I forgot, I can remember. I can lean in, and that reunion is totally complete. It's also interesting that forgetting is always, always unconscious. Remembering is always, always conscious. So if we can pay attention, and I'm going to come back to Buddhism, the Buddhists say the definition of consciousness is paying attention to what we're paying attention to. So if we can pay attention to what we're paying attention to and recognize that we just forgot, we can remember. We can lean in and have that moment and life that is full of reunion, that oneness with spirit. And sometimes life's still going to be hard. It's going to feel hard because we forget, because we're living on those levels. We don't always remember that we're a spiritual being having a human experience. We get caught up in those mental gymnastics. We get caught up in emotions. We get caught up in the physical world. And again, it's okay as long as we remember. Sometimes it takes a while. And you know what? It takes as long as it takes because God doesn't know any time. God's always sitting on that stump. So I want to tell you another story. And I love this story because it's, first of all, it's by a woman, Rachel Naomi Remen, who is a pioneer in the health and wellness industry and, and really started that movement among the medical profession. And the story is just so beautiful. It's about a young man who came in to counsel with her after he had been in a horrible accident and he lost his right leg. And he had been a gymnast competing on a national level looking to go to the Olympics. And as you can imagine, this devastated him. So he came in to see her and he was angry. And he didn't want to talk and she kept prying at him, trying to get him to open up and he was furious and his, he thought his life was over. Game over is what he thought. This is the end. And he equated that loss of his leg with death. So she talked to him and talked to him. And once she decided, you know, I'm going to have him draw a picture. So he put a piece of paper and a box of crayons in front of him. And she said, would you draw a picture of the way you look at your body? And he sat there for a minute and he started to draw. And he drew a big vase. And he drew it on its side. And then he took a black crayon and he drew a crack in the vase. And then he, he went over and over and over and over that crack so hard that he ripped the paper. Rachel looked at it and she put it in a file and she put it in her drawer. Well, after a year or so, he started, his anger started dissipating and he was able to start talking about actually having a life. And she decided that service seems to be such a good way to get past our own problems. So she encouraged him to be of service and go and visit other people who perhaps had lost limbs or who were in the hospital. And so that's what he did. He found a hospital nearby that specialized with the rehab of people who had lost limbs. So he started going there and visiting those people to try to support them. And, and in turn, it helped him because that's what happens when we give, right? When we give, we always get. So one day he walked into a room and there was a woman on the, on the bed 
her eyes closed. There was music, little music playing in the background, and he started talking to her, and she didn't respond. And so he started talking a little louder, trying to get her attention, and she didn't respond. And then he started talking to her in a way that only somebody who had lost a limb would talk. And she still didn't respond. So he thought, what am I going to do? So he took off his leg, and he threw it on the ground. And she opened her eyes right away, startled, and looked at him. And boy, he was excited. He got her attention, right? So he started jumping around, hopping around on the one leg. And he started singing and moving around. He said, come on, dance with me. She started cracking up. Well, that opened her up. As you can imagine, they became really good friends. He came back and visited her every single day. And as her healing journey started, they became even better friends. They started to date. They ultimately got married. And one day, he realized that he was happy again. And he decided he wanted to go and see Rachel and talk to her about the experience that he had had and his new wife. He wanted to introduce Rachel to his new wife. So he walked into the office, and Rachel, of course, was thrilled to see him and meet his wife. And he sat down, and she said, I have something to show you. And she opened the drawer, and she pulled out the file folder and showed him that picture of the vase with the crack and the torn black mark on it. And he looked at it, and he said, you know, it's not finished yet. And he reached over, and he grabbed a yellow highlighter off of her pen. He said, see this? And he pointed to the black mark, the black crack, and he started making yellow golden lines coming out of that crack. And he said, this is where the light came in. Because we don't know what things are for, but we know that it's all good because we know God is good, and everything works out in the end. And if it hasn't, it's not the end. And you know what? No matter how bad things look, it's okay. Just like that song says. It's okay to get a little lost sometimes. It's okay. So loss is very much like change. And they seem like two different things, but they're not. If we understand the change process too, it helps us understand loss a little bit better. So change has three parts. What was the mess that we're in right now, and what's going to happen. And we don't usually know what the future state looks like. But if you know there's that process, and we're going to get to that future state, if we can find one thing in that future state, what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like, something positive that's going to help move us into that future state, it's easier to get through the fear. Are you an early adopter? Are you the kind of person that would stand in line to get the new version of the iPhone? Or are you someone who follows the crowd? Do you get it when most of your friends start and get it and all the stores start to have it and you know they're really advertising it? Still expensive, but people are really starting to get it. Or are you the one that goes kicking and screaming? That's how you look at change. So the invitation here today is to look at change a little bit differently as a portal, as a portal to something better and to use past experience to know that there is indeed something better. I mentioned earlier that some people really resist and fight newness and change. I want to tell you a couple things. I'll just give you one of them. 2009, 12 years ago, Steve Ballmer, who is the CEO of Microsoft, said, the iPhone's not going to gain any share. No one's going to want the iPhone. It'll come and go. Yeah, right. I'll give you one more. Daryl Zanuck, who was an executive with 20th Century Fox, 1945, he said, Television? It's just a fad. People are going to get really tired of sitting in front of a box. 
Yeah. So we fight, and sometimes those fights bring on that adversity. If we looked at this last year and a half, there was a lot of adversity, but there's also a lot of blessing in it, a lot of gift in it. Look at the transformation. Every one of us has had some kind of transformation, haven't we, during this time? Look at the story of a butterfly, the transformation of a butterfly. There was once a man who was gardening, and he found a cocoon, and he watched that cocoon for days. And one day, there was a little tiny crack in the cocoon. And he thought, oh, the butterfly is going to emerge. So he decided to watch it. So he got a stool, and he sat there, and he watched for hours. And the little crack got a little bigger and a little bigger, and the butterfly tried to push its body out of the cocoon. And then it stopped. And it stopped for a long time, and he started to worry. What's going to happen to this butterfly? Is it going to die? So he went in the house, and he got a pair of scissors. And he cut the cocoon open so that, to help the butterfly, to help the butterfly get out. And the butterfly squeezed out. Its body was all puffed up and its wings were all folded up. And, you know, that butterfly lived its whole life walking around on the ground. Because as the butterfly squeezes out of that little hole in the cocoon, it pushes all the liquid in its body into its wings and it's able to fly. That butterfly has to have that adversity to make it what it is. Sometimes we have to have adversity, to learn and know who we are, to remember, right? Because we forget. So the biggest lesson I can, I can share with you today is it's okay to forget. That separation is just that. It's just forgetting. And oneness, reunion is so sweet when we remember. And it's just that easy. Just remember and lean in. So a mother is with her daughter, and her daughter has come, come home and said, Mom, I'd like to move home with the kids because the marriage isn't working, and I lost my job, and life just sucks. It's just terrible, and I don't know what to do. And no matter, no matter what I do, it just seems to get worse and worse, and I don't know what to do, Mom. And she says, of course, sweetheart, you and the kids can, of course you can move in here. She says, but come with me. And she takes her into the kitchen, and she takes three pots, and she puts them on the stove, and she turns the fire underneath the stove, and she goes to the refrigerator, and she gets carrots, and she puts that in one of the pots. And she gets eggs, and she puts that in one of the pots. And then she gets some ground coffee, and she puts that in the third pot. And about 20 minutes later, the water boils, and she goes and scoops out the carrots and puts them in a bowl. And then she scoops out the eggs and puts them in another bowl. And then she takes a ladle, and she scoots out, scoots out the coffee puts that in a bowl. And she says to her daughter, sweetie, what do you see? And the daughter says, well, carrots, eggs, and coffee. The mother says, well, look a little closer. Touch the carrots. She touches the carrots, and they're all soft and mushy. She says, those carrots went in hard, and they came out soft and mushy. Check out the eggs. Crack the egg. She takes the egg. She cracks it. Won't crack. It was runny. And loose in the middle, now it's hard in the middle. The egg went in soft, came out hard. The insides are now tough and hard. And the coffee, she says, check out the coffee. So the girl picks up the bowl, and she takes a little sip of the coffee. Mmm, the aroma was so wonderful. The flavor was so wonderful. She says, okay, Mom, the coffee's good, so what's this about? The mom says, every one of those three things faced the same adversity. The carrots got soft and mushy. The eggs got hard on the inside. The coffee 
the water, the boiling water, released its aroma and its flavor. It merged with the water. It became one with the water. It became a better version of itself. So which are you? When adversity shows up, are you a carrot, are you an egg, or are you coffee beans? <laughs> and what do you want to be, right? Pay attention. And all we have to do is remember. Because you know what? We just forgot. No big deal. We just forgot. Science of Mind, Ernie says, we suffer not because suffering is imposed on us, but because we're ignorant. We're ignorant of our true nature. So let's not be ignorant. Let's understand that loss and change can be scary, and that's okay, but it doesn't mean game over. We just forgot if we got all caught up in it. What if we could make a conscious choice to reconnect? What if we could notice quickly that we just forgot and then remember? And how do we do that? paying attention to what we're paying attention to. And you know what? It's a practice. That's why they call it a practice. How many do yoga? If you've heard me speak before, you might have heard me say this before. Who knows, who's ever heard of yoga perfect? It's a yoga practice. You do it over and over and over again. And that's exactly what we have to do. We have to say, oh yeah, I forgot. One thing flows into the other. I look over there and I see the yin and yang symbol. And that's a good reminder that no matter how things look, it's never game over. One thing is flowing into another. Loss means change. And change doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to be game over. It can just be a portal to something new and something exciting. So this relationship that we have with God this is the most important thing, right? This is what we came here to do, to have a closer walk, isn't it? To be that presence of love here on this planet. So how do we do that? By paying attention. And if we can just see those two things differently, loss and change, instead of them being game over, see them as a portal, as an opportunity to remember God and remember our connection. And when we start to forget, oh yeah, I just forgot. And in that remembering, that reunion is complete. And you know what? It's okay. I invite everybody to just remember. Remember that infinite power and presence of love that's right here, right now, always in the present. They call it the present of the present. And let's just feel it because we all know what it feels like. God is and I am. As we lean into that, what I know is that I am indeed one with that power and presence. I am indeed on that walk to be the presence of love. My goal is to have that closer walk. I know this not only for myself, but for each person here to remember how grateful I am for this teaching that allows us to remember, to recognize when we just forgot, to let it be okay and let it be in the past. And in this moment, right here, right now, to remember and have that reunion, that joyful, beautiful, sweet reunion. Because I know that that is one of the many, many gifts of spirit. And when I'm living from that place, just as I know that when each person here lives from that place of connection, it's all okay. And so may each person walk into this day remembering even just a snippet 
of something they heard today or a connection through a hug or a look that they felt deeply in someone's eyes or something that was in the music that allows that daily walk to be a little closer. I know that each person benefits from just saying yes to being here today because I know that that's how God works, that those seeds that are planted have already become a beautiful garden, and that garden is the life that each one of us lives. And how grateful I am for that good that God is, always and in all ways showing up. How grateful I am that when I forget, I can just say, oh yeah, I forgot, and remember. And that sweet reunion is there for me and for everyone else. So it's with that full grateful heart that I release my word, calling it good, because I know that it is. And so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.